Welcome to our worship today from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. Our thanks today go to Rosemary Milton Thompson and Jacina Van Setten for our readings and to the choristers of St Martin in the Fields for our hymns. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we begin our worship, let's think of the week that is past and all that's happened in it. There will have been times when we've done wrong or fallen short because we're human. So we ask for God's forgiveness in the joyful knowledge that nothing can destroy his love for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. 
Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have broken the tyranny of sin and have sent the Spirit of your Son into our hearts, whereby we call you Father. Give us grace to dedicate our freedom to your service, that we and all creation may be brought to the glorious liberty of the children of God. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stopped. Our psalm today is Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let all those whom the Lord has redeemed proclaim that he redeemed them from the hand of the foe. He gathered them out of the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some went down to the sea in ships and plied their trade in deep waters. They beheld the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Then he spoke and a stormy wind arose, which tossed high the waves of the sea. They mounted up to the heavens and fell back to the depths. Their hearts melted because of their peril. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper and quieted the waves of the sea. Then were they glad because of the calm, and he brought them to the harbour they were bound for. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his mercy, and the wonders he does for his children. Let them exalt him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the council of the elders. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat, and other boats were with them. And a great storm of wind arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we perish? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. 
and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And they were filled with awe, and said to one another, Who then is this, that even wind and sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That's the intriguing question the disciples cry out in our Gospel reading today as the storm batters their little boat. It's intriguing because it's hardly the obvious thing to say to Jesus at that moment. Wake up and help us bail out would be much more appropriate. In a situation of danger, this isn't a sensible time to launch into a discussion about Jesus' feelings for his disciples. It reminds me of those crucial scenes in disaster movies. The building is collapsing, the lava flow is advancing, the timer on the bomb is ticking down, and the hero and heroine are wasting precious seconds having a heart-to-heart and a final lingering kiss. It's great for heightening the dramatic tension, but it's not a good use of time if you want to live to tell the tale. I'm always sitting there thinking, stop talking and run. But this gospel story isn't a chapter in a sailing manual, any more than those movies are about buildings, volcanoes or bomb disposal techniques. They're about human beings, human hearts, how we relate to one another and, in this case, to God. The disaster, the crisis is just being used to reveal what's happening under the surface. In this case, in Mark's account of the storm, everything had seemed fine when the disciples first set out on their voyage. Jesus was exhausted after a long day preaching. His friends probably encouraged him to go to sleep. After all, many of them were experienced fishermen. They'd been sailing these waters all their lives. They knew how to, ha- how to handle a boat, and maybe they felt proud that they could do something for their friend at last, rather than just following him around asking dumb questions. You get your head down, Jesus. We've got this. But as the storm worsens, they realise that they haven't got it at all. They may have always coped before, but they can't cope now. They remember just how dangerous this lake is. People drown here all the time, and tonight it looks like it's their turn. But Jesus is still asleep, on a cushion, we're told, as if to rub in just how comfortable he is while they struggle on, terrified and alone. Suddenly they realise that they do need him, not for any sailing expertise he might have, but just for himself. They need him to see their plight to hear their cries, and most of all, to care. Even if they're going to sink, they'd rather sink knowing they're loved than feeling abandoned. It's the same for Job in our Old Testament reading. The book of Job tells a story which is probably based on an existing Middle Eastern folktale, but it's been transformed into an extended meditation on suffering and how we deal with it. Job is a righteous and successful man, 
but suddenly his life hits the rocks. His children all die, his flocks are stolen, his house falls down, and he himself is afflicted with dreadful diseases. But why? And what will he do about it? Will he reject God? His so-called friends come and offer well-meaning advice, but it turns out to be useless and sometimes offensively damaging. It really must be his fault, they tell him. Everything happens for a reason, they tell him. He must have done something wrong, even if no one, including him, knows what it is. But Job stands his ground. He may not be perfect, but he's a good man, and he knows he doesn't deserve this. But that doesn't mean he's okay with what's happening. He rails at God. He demands that God explain himself. And eventually, in the passage we heard today, God does. His explanation might not sound very satisfactory. Basically, it's that God is God and Job isn't. But it's the only explanation that Job is going to be able to grasp. We're all stuck in the moment, only seeing a tiny sliver of reality, a tiny slice of time. That's what it's like to be human. And bad things do happen to good people and good things to bad people. And it doesn't seem fair because it isn't fair. But that doesn't mean that God is punishing us or that what is always will be. Somehow that's enough for Job. And as the story ends, his fortunes are restored. And we like to hope his friends have learned a lesson. It's always tempting to try and explain away messy and perplexing situations as they do, however far-fetched our explanations are. It's always tempting to try to do something, anything, rather than accepting that there's nothing we can do, even if we make things worse in the process. It gives us the illusion of being in control. That's how superstitions start. Avoiding black cats or touching wood won't keep us safe because life is inherently dangerous and ultimately always ends in death. But faced with that terrifying reality, we'll seize at anything that might convince us we have some power. Even blaming ourselves is easier than accepting that there is no way we can avoid our fate. Ultimately, as Job discovers, what gets us through difficult times whether we live or die, succeed or fail in worldly terms, is knowing we aren't alone, that someone sees us, hears us and cares for us. God, the creator of the universe, turns up to talk to Job. And even if he didn't understand any more at the end than at the beginning, he knows he matters enough to God for him to do this. The poet Raymond Carver who struggled most of his life with alcoholism, which caused immense pain to him and those around him, eventually managed to stop drinking, and he found some measure of peace and wholeness late in his short life. He died at the age of 50. But the epitaph he wrote for his gravestone, the final poem, late fragment, in his final collection, says this. And did you get what you wanted from this life, even so? I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved. To feel myself beloved on the earth. 
Over this past year or so, we've all been discovering what we've wanted from this life, what really matters to us, and how we cope in the face of trouble. We've realised the value of the little things we once took for granted. The touch of a hand, a shared song, the presence of friends and family. Things which help us to feel ourselves beloved on the earth. Many people have found themselves reaching out for strength beyond their own. Like the disciples in that storm-tossed boat, we now know, even if we didn't before, that we can't do this alone. People have connected with churches, including ours, in much larger numbers than before, looking for sustenance, comfort and a sense of belonging. And some, at least, have found what they were looking for, online or offline. I don't know what will happen when this pandemic is over, what sort of normal we'll find ourselves in, but I hope we'll remember the raging of this storm and the moments when we've cried out to God, don't you care that we are perishing? And the moments, even if they were just moments, when we heard his voice replying, peace, be still, in the depths of our hearts, in the words of the Bible, in the glory of nature, in the kindness of others, in new discoveries about ourselves. Because the good news is that the God who's with us in the storms is with us always, calling us to discover life in all its fullness, in the good times as well as the bad. Amen. Let us pray. Loving Lord, we thank you that we can cry out to you in the storms of life, knowing that you hear and care for us. We pray that we will learn to trust your love in good times and in bad, that we will seek you and find you in all that we encounter. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for your church throughout the world that it might be a safe refuge for all. We know that isn't always the case, and we pray for all who've been hurt by the ignorance, weakness and deliberate fault of people who should have protected them. We pray for those who, like Job, have looked for help and strength from others and found only self-righteousness or complacency. Give wisdom to all of us when we try to help others, that we would see when we are really only trying to help ourselves. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for all who work at sea and for the ministry of organisations like the Mission to Seafarers and the Fishermen's Mission, who work alongside them and campaign for justice for them. We pray especially for those who've been stuck on ships during the Covid pandemic, unable to get home or find safe harbour in the countries to which they've sailed and for those whose livelihoods have been affected by political and environmental challenges. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for our own community, and especially for those who found themselves to be in deep waters, storm-tossed and sinking in this pandemic, those who've lost jobs and income, lost families or friends, 
or been beset by illness. We pray for our friends, families and neighbours and for those who feel they have no one to hear them cry out. Help us to listen for the voices of those who feel they're drowning. We thank you for all who help to feed the hungry locally through our food banks and through informal help and we pray for your blessing on their work. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for those who are on our hearts today, for the private concerns we have for ourselves and for others. We entrust ourselves and them to your loving care in a moment of silence. Comfort us with the the assurance that even when we feel we are perishing, you care for us and do not abandon us. Help us to hear your words. Peace, be still. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for those who have gone before us into the joy of heaven, thanking you for their lives and entrusting them to you. Comfort all who mourn with the knowledge that in life and in death you hold us in your care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we share in the peace, I'd like to invite you to think of someone who you know, maybe a member of our congregation, maybe a member of your family from whom you're separated, or a friend, someone who you would like to feel that you're united with at this point. Because we're all held together in God's love, even when we're separated physically. We are the body of Christ, In the one spirit we were all baptised into one body. Let us then pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Keep us, good Lord, under the shadow of your mercy in this time of uncertainty and distress. Sustain and support the anxious and fearful and lift up all who are brought low, that we may rejoice in your comfort, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.